The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, Taryn, a new center has arrived, and the center everyone knows is going to be here for nine more years because he has an eight-year extension, Sean Gatorier. Eight years, $62 million. He was set to become an unrestricted free agent after this upcoming season. The Flyers wanted nothing to do with that. They signed him to an extension, so he will play out the final year of his current deal and then be here for eight more. And the Flyers also signed Derek Broussard, a center forward, can play a little wing, uh, to a one-year deal. So a new face and a familiar face. Taryn Hatcher, I will start with you. Sean Couturier, eight years, $62 million. What did you think of the deal? Do you like it? First of all, I have to say, Jordan and Joe, you guys are both making me feel sorely underdressed for this podcast. Um, I thought I was in a safe space with this being an audio medium, but nevertheless, uh, that's what not the important term. What are you representing? It looks like football. I'm representing uh, St. Mary Magdalene's football, which is where my boyfriend played, I believe, middle school football. <laughs> so <laughs> just a comfy sweatshirt in my apartment is freezing cold. Um, not important. That's not what this podcast is about. So Sean Couturier, yeah, I thought, honestly, I was, I was very, I think most of us were pretty stoked to see that he would be here long-term. I, I thought unless the contract situation became an issue in that, like he wanted a ton of money and the flat cap wouldn't allow it. I kind of expected this kind of long-term deal. I thought maybe if there was some you know, the cap space issues that we're talking about, they might go, not go, you know, the full eight, but they might do a shorter amount of time, pay him as much as they could for that amount of time, and then talk about an extension later on, which would have not been the ideal situation this is. And I thought for what it's worth, and this doesn't surprise me when it comes to Sean Couturier at all, because he's not really, he's a we, not a me guy when it comes to everything across the board. It seems like a really fair number. Like I know here in Philly, he, you know, he's our Selkie Trophy winner, top center, probably our top player, actually our top player. I think it's safe to say, you know, um, distinctly right now. Uh, but even so, that number, I know there's other guys around the league who who make just astronomical amounts and people feel like, look at all that Coots does for us and he deserves that. I saw some of that reaction where people were surprised it didn't break more towards like the nines kind of a thing just because he means so much to Philly. But when you look around the league, I did feel like that was a very fair number for the Flyers. You know, I think Sean probably could have gotten more from elsewhere, to be quite frank. I think if he found a team in real need, he probably could have, you know, pushed for some, you know, crazy number. And there might have been somebody who gave it to him on a more short-term basis. But, um, yeah, I think the Flyers 
I, I think both sides come out kind of winners in this situation because it seems like Sean was happy with the decision. He will talk later today, so we'll actually get to hear from him, although he released a statement. Um, but I, it seems like a number that it is just about fair, if that makes any kind of sense, and especially fair for the Flyers. I think they get lucky getting him at that price point, to be quite frank. Um, because there are guys who go out there and get overpaid. We see it all the time. So, And in the flat cap era, you can't really afford to overpay somebody. Uh, so, I mean, stick taps to Sean because awesome for him, $62 million is a nice amount of money. But um, also because I think he he kind of helped put the Flyers in a better spot that he didn't come in. And, you know, you see what happened with like Landis Cog in Colorado. And that kind of, that seems like that really strained that relationship for quite some time. Um, and there's not, there's none of those dramatics and theatrics here. And ideally, if you're a team, if you're a player or if you're a front office and if you're a fan, you don't want any of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I, I don't know about you, but the news came through and I was kind of like, oh, what a way to start my day today. This is great. I love this news. So happy to see it come to fruition. Yeah, when you think of well-earned contracts, like this is one of them. Sean Couturier earned this. He's a guy that does everything, everything on the ice. Um, his game is not about flash and speed. It's about outworking, outsmarting um, the opposition. And, and this guy has earned this deal. As we all know, his previous contract was a bargain. And yeah, Taryn, I think that's really common with negotiations. Some people are going to look at the eight years and be like, whoa, that's a long, that's a long commitment. But with star players, with elite players, you need to give them term. You need to make them happy. And if you want to lower the cost, the price, you give them more years. If if you give them less years and say, hey, we don't want to commit too long in terms of age, uh, then you have to give them more money. And I think that was the compromise with the Flyers and Sean Couturier here. Couturier wants to be here. He wants long-term security. And with that, with eight years, which is which is a big number, you know, the AAV came down and that was a good thing for the Flyers because they can work around that. They get a, a premier center at a pretty reasonable AAV of $7.75 million. So I thought it was a good compromise, Taryn. Like you said, I thought it was a good deal for In both. In this economy, you know? In this economy. Joe Fordyce, do the eight years concern you at all? Sean Gatorier will be 37 years old when this deal is done. That is obviously committing to a player in his late 30s. Um, I think that would make some people apprehensive. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I, I actually, you know, I'm not concerned, so concerned about that. I mean, uh, I know Sean has had some recent injuries and, in, you know, what, two of the past four seasons he's had some injuries that have kept him out of the lineup. But, you know, I, and he is, he, he does have that major responsibility on the defensive end too. So he, he really is like a, a, a sort of a, a working man's player. Um, but I feel like as the years go on, they can maybe adjust that, scale it back a little more, change the style. I mean, Sean, Sean knows what he can do. And I think he might, maybe he adjusts his play as he gets up there in age. I mean, you know, we, we see it in all sports. Guys learn how to do that. So the years don't, don't really concern me. Um, what I'll say is I think that this is a good deal for the Flyers with the the AAV, as you said, but I also think it's good, and Sean earned it by being the best bargain in the league for the last how many years? 
I mean, he was, I, I don't even know if it's arguable that he was the most underpaid player in the league for the last three to four seasons, I would say. Um, so I think it's a great deal. And it's not a thing that's hanging over camp, which we heard um, Chuck Fletcher talk about yesterday. Um, it's not hanging over camp. You don't have Couturier and Giroux entering the last years of their deals on in the same season. Um, the Giroux thing, you know, I, I, I think that's a, a great approach to the, the wait and see. And it seems like that was a mutual approach from both sides. Um, so I think that's good. And the, but the Couturier thing would have been a question all year. It would have, you know, it would have come up throughout the season. And, you know, we all, we all know Sean is a lead by example guy and not necessarily the guy that comes out and pounds on the table and, you know, yells and those sorts of things. So, you know, to have a guy like him being put in a position to answer questions about that all year, I think it's really good that they don't have to deal with that because I believe Sean Couturier is the captain of the future of this team. Um, so I, I, I think it was, it was a great move to get it done now. Um, and there won't be, there wouldn't be any questions, you know, approaching the trade deadline, whether it'd be great to, to deal him to a team looking for a rental and all that, all those things that would have been inevitable if he was in the last year of his deal. And those things are now non-factors. And I think that's a huge, a huge deal for this team. And I think it's a huge deal for Sean Couturier. Jordan, just your initial point real quick, because I, I meant to mention this too, when it comes to the years, I think with players like Couturier, you, I mean, you look at his closest comp and it's always Patrice Bergeron these days. Patrice Bergeron is currently 36. And I think it's, it's a testament to the development of, I mean, Patrice is obviously Patrice Bergeron and he's kind of, I think, who Sean would like to be and model himself after and win all those Selkies. And he's certainly kind of hit that level of center as of the last two, three years or so. But it's a testament to the, the sports science and the nutrition and the way that these guys take care of their bodies. And Sean 1000% does. And like Joe mentioned, when it comes to the injury, like Sean's injury last year, it was the same thing as when we talked about Morgan Frost. And I know we would talk about this all the time in pre and post game. Like these are injuries that were kind of like nothing plays that were just weird, tweaky moments where you're like, God, that stinks because the physics of it all, if you're just turned a little bit further in that moment, it's not, you know, knock on wood, but it's not like a rotator cuff or an ACL or those things that gnaw away at you year after year after year. And Sean's not, it's not like he's a guy who relies on, I mean, to be quite frank, it's not like he relies on his speed. It's not like he relies on these God-given gifts that with time, father time strips you of them. Sean plays hockey well. And that's something that, like, when you look at Patrice Bergeron, where he has aged well, is that he plays hockey well. He He's true to his assignments. He doesn't make big mental mistakes in big moments. He kind of does the same things that Sean does well. That's why they're constantly compared to each other. So you hope that, you know, history is the indicator and he models himself after Patrice. When you're looking at 37-year-old Sean Couturier, he, hopefully, if he continues the trajectory that he's been on, he only gets better as he gets into those early 30s and he's even more comfortable with his teammates and the league and, you know, the amount of responsibility that he has. And then he learns how to manage. He, Like Joe was saying, he learns how to essentially load manage um, within a game as maybe 
you know, he can't shoulder all of that. But I mean, even now when you look at Patrice, like there's not, there's not a whole lot of, and I get he's playing on like the best line in the entire league. I can totally understand that, but he's still so impressive within himself. And part of that I think is because you look at the way both of these guys play and they're just very good at hockey. And when you get older, that doesn't go away. The, the speedsters, the agility guys, you know, some of those things that you that some guys kind of crutch onto that are God-given abilities, Sean doesn't rely on any of them, which means that over time, if those things kind of fade a little bit, I think he'll only be able to make up for it in other parts of his game. And he's more than capable of doing so. Like we talk about him being a 200-foot player. And it's not like he's the fastest guy on the ice who's making up ground constantly within the game. He's just incredibly responsible, incredibly smart about the way that he plays. And generally, your hockey IQ goes up over time. So it seems like if anybody's going to age well within this league, you really knock on wood. But Sean's got the makeup to age well in this league, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, and Jordan, I would say, too, like if you look at the injuries that Sean Couturier's had, they're not injuries that are you know, like a guy's body breaking down. The injury he had last year, 99 times out of 100, that hit, he doesn't even remember it during a game. It's such a little, you know, those guys do that to each other during warmups. They shoulder each other against the board. It just so happened that that one time something freak happened, you know, up around his collarbone area. But again, 99 times out of 100, that's just something that nobody even remembers during a game. So I, I don't I don't think it's a matter of him getting beaten or worn down by the way he plays. So I, I, I I'm not concerned that the injuries will mount like will mount up. And he, you know we've seen Sean play through a ton of injuries too. So he you know I, I think he's proven himself to be a pretty durable guy up to this point in his career. Yeah, I, I really had no concerns about his health. All his injuries, Joe, as you know, as you alluded to, are like hockey injuries. Um, I don't worry about him and his health. And I agree with Taryn. I think his game is really built for longevity. I really do. It's not built on flash and speed. Um, it's built. It's built on him just being a really good hockey player, like Taryn said. And I think that profiles well for longevity and playing well into his mid thirties. Patrice Bergeron is a perfect example. Taryn, um, those guys can do it. Profiles well, Jordan? Profiles well. A little Gabe Kaplan. Yeah, I was going to say, Gabe Kaplan's back all the time. Yeah, we got Gabe on the pod, special guest. Future manager of the year, probably. Uh, Very less lip gloss than we're used to seeing. (laughs) Um, Speaking of aging well, though, I do want to hit on Claude Drew real quick. Big, that's the other big decision for Chuck Fletcher. I think, as Joe said, he got one out of the way with Sean Couturier. That was the more obvious one. That's a guy I think they knew they were going to be committing long-term to. Claude Drew, different stories, 33 years old, been here a long, long time, been very productive, hasn't won yet. I think the Flyers uh, fan base would love to see him go on a long playoff run. They haven't seen that in a little while. But Claude Drew is the captain, the face of the organization, one of the faces in the entire city of Philadelphia, and he can be an unrestricted free agent after this season. Paprasan and Drew have had conversations with Chuck Fletcher. Chuck Fletcher said that. But right now, it looks like the plan is to play out the season, and then they will address Drew uh, after the year. Do you guys agree with that? Taryn, I'll start with you. Do you agree with that? Do you think that's something that can maybe hang over um, everyone's head as this season plays out? Uh 
I do. I mean, I think that the big thing was, and we said this before we were talking about Sean, you had to figure out Sean first. And I think, I mean, Claude's a smart, a smart guy. He gets it. I'm sure, you know, Coots is younger. He's your top line center, et cetera, et cetera. So on and so forth. Um, I think financially it, everything is in such financial straits right now with the cap being where it is. And, you know, God only knows how long it'll be in this flat cap situation. And, you know, I've read plenty of things and listened to plenty of podcasts where they're talking about like the league speculating how long they'll have to deal with this flat cap and it puts GMs in a tight place. So I think for the flyers, it makes sense that you're almost playing Tetris, right? With pieces right now. And you figured out one of your massive pieces going forward in Sean Couturier. And it was important that they figured out how much real estate that piece took up first. So I, I totally understand this move to say, hey, we want to figure out our two big dogs first, but we got to figure out the big dog that's going to be with us more long-term before we address the second. And to be quite honest with you, if there's some more clarity on how financially the league out the league, the league um, outlook is going to be moving forward towards the end of the season, um, if there's a clearer outlook on how Claude Giroux looks throughout this se- season, it might benefit both sides. Um, and if anybody, truthfully, I think if anybody can handle that mental fatigue of being asked once a week, once a month, once a day through camp, probably, you know, how do you feel about Sean Couturier getting his contract figure out as you wait for yours, yada, yada. Like G is so trained in just water off the duck's back, like that he of all people, I think can handle it. Is it fair? I mean, you could argue depending on how you feel about Claude Giroux. I, I do think it probably stinks on some level to have to have those questions yourself and then hear about them all the time. Um, but he's a guy who just, I think is so at this point, you can see in his immediate interview sometimes, if we're being honest, like we all know, you can see sometimes he's just like, he puts it in autopilot. He gives us answers to get through the interview and he checks us all out because for so many years, he's had to answer the same questions about the team struggling or, you know, not making deep playoff runs or GM changes or coaching changes or whatever. He's always the guy who has to deal with it. He's well-equipped to deal with this mentally. Um, And like I said, I I just think, especially if you want to try to sign him to a multi-year deal, it probably benefits both sides long-term to know, okay, this is where the league stands. They did or did not let fans in for this amount of time. Like, this is how much money these teams are going to have, et cetera, et cetera. See the outlook of the league. I mean, the Flyers coming off the last season and the Flyers coming off the year before are two teams in completely different places. So who who even knows like what Claude Giroux from a hockey level really wants to do? Because I'm sure he wants to win. And I'm sure he'd like to win here in Philly. But last year, this team didn't look like a winner. So there's a lot of questions that I think if you wait, you get the benefit of maybe answering some of them for both sides. The drawback is, is that he is going to have to deal with us, us, you know, barnacles that we are just clawing around and asking the same questions over and over again. Um, But yeah, I kind of thought, you know, weirdly long-term speaking, probably better for both sides just to see how things shake out a little bit in a number of areas. Yeah. I think um, it it makes sense for both sides as well. Uh, Sean Couturier was the obvious one to get done now. Because as you mentioned, Tennant, he's more a part of the future right now. 
Um, with Claude Drew, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a topic, um, especially if the Flyers aren't playing well. Uh, if they're playing well, then it won't be. It's it's going to be, hey, everything is good. The team is looking like it's going to go on a playoff run. But if they're not playing well, then it's going to be like, well, what did they do with Claude Drew? So pressure is on there for sure. Um, but it, it, I think it makes sense for both sides because the Flyers probably want to see where they're at. If, if they don't rebound this season – Maybe they're looking to say, hey, we're not there yet, and we need to retool a little bit, get younger, um, and shift gears. Uh, if they're winning, then they can they, they can make the decision after the season. Same with Claude Drew. I think he has a desire to stay here and, and, and be a, a longtime flyer, an all-time great flyer, but he wants to win. He wants to win, and if things don't go well, maybe he also thinks, hey, there's another chapter to my career. There's, a, there's something else out there that I can go get. Um, and let's 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 start the new chapter. So makes sense in my opinion. Joe, what do you think about it? Um, it is certainly going to take center stage this season, especially as the season gets into later later stretches. Uh, I think this this is kind of what I expected in terms of uh, Drew's future. I, I I always thought he would be playing the final year of his deal here, um, and you know, and wait and see, and and and. From what we heard yesterday, it seems like that was a mutual decision. Um, so that tells me it's better for both sides. Um, it's not like you have a guy uh, unhappy entering the last year of his deal. We've all seen that across sports. Um, and that just doesn't work. Um, but I don't think that that's the case here. And given how many years Claude's been in the league and, you know, his – loyalty on both sides with the franchise to him and he to the franchise. I, I don't think any of that stuff is in question um, in this situation. And, I, and you know, I really think, it, you know, a big part of this is too, with, like you mentioned, where Claude is in his career. Um, does he want to go somewhere and try, try to win a cup? Like, uh, I mean, he's not at the same age, but, an example would be like Ray Bork going to Colorado to win a cup finally that he had not been able to get with the Bruins and, you know, after playing his whole career there. And is it one of those situations where, you know, maybe he waives his no movement clause to try to win at the end of his career? Because as he said, you know, I don't think, I don't think anybody, anything could happen, but I don't think anybody believes this team is a Stanley cup contender right now. So that's, you know, I'm sure he wants to see how this season plays out with this team and, and maybe just how close they are before deciding what to do with his future. And the Flyers want to do the same. As you mentioned, you know, maybe, maybe they want to go forward if they're, if they're not, if they don't bounce back in the way they expect. Maybe they want to go forward with a guy like Couturier as their captain and a bunch of younger guys under him and, you know, both sides will agree to move on. You, you never know. But it, all indications are that this is a mutual decision. And because of the way it sounded, I think it's best for both parties. If he pulls a chemo, people are going to lose their minds, though. Like, if he, he pulls a chemo so? team in. Do you think oh people will lose their minds? Yeah, I do. I think, I think it's, it's like the movie Good Luck Chuck. Every girl dates this guy, and then the next guy they date, they end up marrying. And this guy is just like, what is wrong with me? The Flyers feel like that sometimes, where it's like, 
why why is it that we seem like we keep all these people and we develop their careers and so on and so forth and then you know the next place they go or a year or two later they go someplace else and they win a cup and and sometimes after they win a cup we bring them on back for you know a, a victory tour and their beloved names in Flyers history, some of these guys, I mean, I feel like people in Philly love Kimo and they were happy that he won a cup. Like I genuinely, when Kimo won the Stanley Cup with the Blackhawks, I was in my soul very happy for him and also incredibly, incredibly frustrated frustrated by it because it's, it feels like, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's something that's at least in our heads. And I'm sure if you look across teams in the league, it's probably a theme with most teams who have not won a cup in a long time that they trade people and they eventually go win a cup, uh, like not long after. But it does feel that way with some of the Flyers' bigger names is that the moment they're gone, there comes, you know, the, the postseason success. And it's frustrating. And I think especially G has been – now when we talk about the core of the team and that core that's been around forever and honestly the core that's been sort of the the keystone of the structure of the flyers for my entire adult life Claude is kind of the the lone ranger of the main guys that that is left and he's also he's the captain that I in my adult life largely grew up watching and it just feels like if this if this guy who's been at the centerpiece of this team for so long left and went and had Stanley Cup level success at some place else, like right after leaving Philadelphia, I do think there'd be like the Clojure supporters, even maybe some of the doubters, because there's always like love for nostalgia. I think that they would be happy for him because he did give so much here. And sometimes the pieces just weren't put together for him. But it, it would be incredibly frustrating. I, I do think, like, when you hear people talk about chemo going and winning that Stanley Cup, like, it, it's a it's a it's a dual feeling situation, very much so with most people. And I would imagine it would be the same thing for for G. To be honest with you. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting too because um, you had Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, and I believe Simone Gagne won the Stanley Cup on one of those Kings teams. But the difference with the Richards Carter, those guys, excuse me, were in the middle of their careers. They were in the prime of their careers and seemed like they just needed a change of scenery for both parties. Both those guys and the organization needed a um, change of scenery. And while Carter was awesome, they were not the best players on the team that won the Cups. Mm-hmm. Um the second cup, it's arguable that Carter was the best player on that team. But I think people got angry about that type of thing because of the way it ended here with those two guys. And then they went on and they won right away. Yeah. And then you get that feeling like, what's wrong with this? That right away they go and win the Stanley Cup. And um, But, you know, there are a lot of other factors in there. And they had the best goalie in the league that year in Jonathan Quick. So, you know. Don't try but to bring I, logic into this, Joe. Don't try to bring logic nobody, into this conversation. Nobody. This is an emotional conversation about the suffering, the long-term suffering of this tribe. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll throw in my two cents before we turn to Derek Broussard. Yeah, I, I think it would be very much split. I think there would be a portion of fans that always felt Claude Drew never had enough help here deserved more and they'd be happy for him. I also think there would be a portion of fans who felt he should have done more here, could have won more here, 
um, didn't lead the team the way maybe some people think he should have as the captain. Um, I think it would be very much split, and I'm with Taryn. I think a lot of people would be bothered by it. Um, me personally, I'd be very happy for him. I think he's a great player. Um, I think he's an all-time great player, and I think he deserves he deserves the Stanley Cup. I think he works hard and doesn't get enough credit for what he's done, I think, in Philadelphia. You know what's interesting, too, Jordan, but all these guys to a man, and I haven't spoken to Mike Richards or Jeff Carter since they left, but I talked last year when Dallas and Tampa played in the Stanley Cup final. I talked to John Stevens, who was an assistant with Dallas at that point, and I talked to Braden Coburn both while he was in the series and then after the series, and Braden didn't play much for Tampa, but notice that he was one of the first guys that got handed the cup. And, you know, he told me how much he learned being a part of a Flyers organization. And John Stevens had the same sentiment when I spoke to him about he, since he left the Flyers, John Stevens went on to win a Stanley Cup with the Kings and then be in the Stanley Cup finals and assist him with Dallas. And these guys all say that they learned so much being part of this organization. So there is something here. There's something here. And it's not. You know, it's a good, it's a good thing. There's a good foundation here. Um, it just has to get too. over the top. I know I it just think, has to get over the I, top. They have to get I to think the finish it's, line. It's this thing of like, we have the history. We have the established kind of culture here. Like guys do say, you come here and you learn how to be a good teammate because the Flyers franchise is so much bigger than you. Like it doesn't matter how good you are. This franchise, its history, the way its fans care about every single shift you play, it feels so much bigger than you. And you, you're right, Joe. Like, every guy we talk to is like, you go to Philly and you learn how to be an, a professional hockey player on a professional hockey team. And I think that bothers people sometimes because it's like, you have all the structure in the world. You put this, essentially, like, you raise this kid up right. You put him out into the world and he's a great human being. And then he's just not as successful as this other guy who lacks all of those great character traits that you have. That's gen I mean, that's the best metaphor I can think for it. And it's so, it, I mean, I'm, I'm putting on my fan cap here, which I know we're not really supposed to do with broadcasters, but it is so frustrating to watch because you really do, you go and you look at these players and they were reared up to be these great teammates and these great players. And to quote Drew's credit, I know he gets tons of flack publicly. Sometimes you ask anybody and I've seen it behind the scenes when I'm standing near the tunnel when I'm you know running into the dressing room to get post-game sound and stuff that we don't catch on the mic because that's not the person we're talking to at the moment Claude Drew is a very good teammate like he is good to his teammates he is very well liked by his teammates and respected by his teammates and I think sometimes he gives the media like those bland answers I was talking about before because he just has to check out mentally in order to do his job sometimes like check out from us mentally but that's not him not caring. He cares a lot. He just knows where to place his care, which is another sign of a guy who knows how to be a true professional hockey player in this league. Um, but it, I think it makes it more frustrating that it's like, why are we so good at instilling all of these characteristics into guys? I mean, you talk about, if you talk to, you know, Scott or anybody else who's in Scott's circle, who was a flyer, like they all moved back here to raise their families. There's something special about this place to them. And it's like, right, but you love it so much, but like, can we get a cup too? Like, I think that's just how it feels. And that's the tough part for 
Philadelphia fans because you see how much these guys love this city and love this franchise and dedicate themselves to it and are really committed to it. And you feel like they're trying. They're genuinely trying the hardest they can. Well, maybe last year there might have been some exceptions. But um, it just feels like, well, why why is it coming together for people who maybe don't do all of that work? You know, that's the part that's tough. And Taryn, that, what you said about the everyone having their roots here, that goes back even to generations before Scott Hartnell's generation, the 70s Flyers. All Bernie still got here. his boat here. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, you look at, God, we know from the 90s, we know John LeClaire still lives here. Chris Terrian still lives here. All these guys, there's something that draws them back to here. And I'm sure it's not the cold winters. So, you know, they, uh, you know, they obviously like being around this community. So there's something here. It's just got to get over the finish line. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Well, speaking of someone that's looking to win and hungry to win, Derek Broussard. Uh, he turns 34 years old in September, uh, a veteran guy that signed a one-year deal with the Flyers. He talked the other day and mentioned he really likes what the Flyers have done this offseason. He thinks he has a really good chance to win here. I'm pretty sure we were all surprised by the deal. I think we all thought the Flyers offseason was done. And boom, what do you know? Chuck Fletcher signs a veteran who has played 900-plus games. He now has the most playoff experience on the Flyers roster. And this guy is now in-house. Taryn Hatcher, what did you think of Derek Broussard? So I saw the news come down, and literally it was like a record scratch moment. I was like, wait, we're still doing this? Like, we're still out here doing this? And then I was like, I'm looking at the name, and I'm going, Derek Broussard? What an interesting move to, I mean, to continue to make a move, like you said, Jordan, was a little surprising. And then I'm kind of like, Okay, veteran guy, as you mentioned, most postseason experience on the team. It, granted, it was like five years ago now, but did have his best season under Alain Vigneault in 2015-2016, I believe. Um, but just interesting because we talked about, you know, we were making our, our lines for projected lines for the team over the past few podcasts. And the forward group is so deep and so many guys in it are versatile. And there's a lot of like, moving and tinkering that you could already do with all the pieces that you have. So it was a little surprising to add, you know, a really veteran guy who, and we were talking about it before the podcast and Joe, I don't want to steal your line, but I'm going to, because you said it best, uh, a guy who you kind of go, all right, this isn't a guy who's going to be like your healthy scratch most nights. That's not what a Derek Broussard type comes in to do. He's going to want to play. Um, I, I mean, I think, Never hurts to add veteran leadership. I, I mentioned multiple times as we saw the signings throughout the offseason, it has become overwhelmingly evident that Chuck and Elaine wanted to bring in character guys. I think guys that have experience will hold people accountable, can say, I've been there, I've done that, this is what you have to do if you want to win. Because I think maybe some of that was lacking last year. It seemed like maybe there wasn't a lot of direction internally, like just from a almost like a morale point, stand, uh, point of view. Um. So, you know, the veteran leadership of it all, I think, can only be beneficial. But definitely, I it caught, when it came down, I was like, did someone, did that email, 
did I get an email from another team? Like, I just was a little bit confused, but I mean, hey, $825,000 for a veteran guy who can, you know, really give you some insight into how to be successful in a postseason and has a ton of experience, like, can't hurt. Yeah, and even Chuck Fletcher said it materialized kind of a few days before the signing. Uh, it wasn't like it was talked long and hard about for a, for a while. I think the Flyers looked at their depth at center and they felt they were a little thin there still. And I think they were too. You look at it, Nate Thompson um, is an older guy that, let's be real, he's probably an extra forward or maybe a fourth-line center at best right now. He was looking like he was definitely going to be their fourth-line center. And do you definitely project him being, you know, an 80-game guy or a 60-70 game guy? Then you have Scott Lawton possibly in the middle. He can play wing or center. Um, after that, it's like Morgan Frost, who I think the Flyers maybe want to make sure he's developing properly down to Lehigh and ready for when he's ready. So I think they did feel they were thin down the middle, and Derek Broussard suddenly gives you a lot of experience. The middle, you're with Elaine Vigneault. And, uh, I, yeah, he's going to play. Uh, he even admitted he had a team out west that offered him a little bit more money, but he thought the Flyers were a better fit. Uh, this guy's going to play. He's going to be here to play. Um, it's not like he's going to be a second-line center or play 17 minutes a game, but he will play, and I think it just really just fuels the competition. Joe, uh, do you like the mood? Do you feel like it blocks Morgan Frost? Um, how do you feel about it? Uh, I, I was surprised by the move. And just as a uh, disclaimer, anybody who goes back and listens to our lineup podcast, it was before the Derek Broussard signing. So yeah. I would say, you know, the, that signing would totally shake up that bottom six stuff. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Derek Broussard played for Elaine Vigneault. There's no way Derek Broussard signs here if he doesn't have the assurance that he's going to play. You know, he's not signing on at 34 years old and having played for plenty of playoff teams to be an extra forward. He just isn't. So, you know, I, I was surprised by it. Um, I'm very, um, you know, I'm very anxious to see how this lineup pans out. And I feel like he could be the third line center. And I feel bad for Scott Lawton because I feel like he gets kind of shuffled around the lineup just at will. Like, oh, let's just put this guy here. He'll do fine. Put this guy there. He'll do fine. And I feel like it's always Lawton that is the, the Swiss Army knife. And I feel like that's what's going to happen here again. Um, but I really feel like this, it really helps their depth. It's a guy who knows how to win. He's going to provide leadership in the locker room. And, you know, you, as Taryn said, you can never have enough of this type of player in your locker room. And I think his familiarity with the coach. I mean, we've seen guys that have played for Elaine Vigneault. He likes to go back to them. The Keith Yandles, the Kevin Hayes, and now Derek Broussard. Um, guys he's very familiar with. And, you know, those guys are sure to be part of his leadership group and, you know, guys that will, um, that aren't, aren't afraid to step up in front of a team and say, hey, we need to do this or we need to do that, you know, when, when those times in the season inevitably come around. Even the best teams have tough times during the 82-game season. So um, I, I think it's a good signing, and I think – as you said, Jordan, I think Nate Thompson's the guy that's going to be the likely be the extra uh, guy on a lot of nights. And that's a good extra forward. Like, and it's a it's a really good teammate 
He's actually played in more playoff games than Claude Drew, only one more. But he's been in an East final, a West final, and he's going to be a good teammate. He'll understand that. So that's good depth. And, yeah, I don't mind these one-year deals for some of these guys. Like, this is an important season. The fan base is really frustrated. The team hasn't missed the playoffs in consecutive years since the early 90s. They are in danger of doing that. It's an important year. and I think they're supplementing this team as best as they can. I mean, five of the acquisitions were alternate captains last season on their respective teams. So the Flyers are putting themselves in a really good spot. And then they can re they can readdress things after the year, whether it goes good or bad. A lot of one year deals, Taryn. I don't have a problem with that. Do you? No, not at all. Especially I know we talked about the cap a lot with Claude and Rashawn, but in this cap situation, like why? No disrespect to Derek Broussard. Like we have talked about nothing but his accomplishments and his character on the show thus far. I think we all have quite a bit of respect for him. But why would you sign a guy like Derek Broussard of a certain age to like a three year deal right now in this flat cap era where? You know, who knows? Last last preseason, all we did was talk about the Flyers' defensive depth. And then at the trade deadline, they are looking left, right, and center to try to figure out anything they can do to try to get a defenseman because, you know, things kind of imploded from the inside out when it came to the Flyers' um, D pairs. So I don't think you want to sign some of these guys to multiple-year deals and run out of cap space, and then all of a sudden you have needs that you didn't know that you needed and you have no money and no way to go and get them. Um so I almost prefer, like, obvious, I mean, this is the approach. You sign the Couturiers to eight years. You sign, you know, the Travis Sandheims to X amount of years. Like, you sign the guys that you know you're going to need long-term. You sign the guys who you, want, who you believe in, but you want to prove it to, like, three to four years. And then these kind of guys where you're not sure how they're going to fit, but you think they could be a great addition, but maybe you just need them for this year. Like, you do. You sign them to a one-year deal. And I think worst case scenario, you end up with a Tyler Pitlick, who I think we all missed last year a lot more than most people thought they were going to miss. And, you know, you just, you miss him when he's not there. He was a one-year guy you would have loved to have for that second year. Um, but even Nate Thompson, like I thought Nate Thompson and Derek Grant at the end of that 2019, or 2019-2020, uh, what year is it? Yeah, at the end of that It was the bubble. It was, yeah. I mean, and when we, we've talked about this and the team acknowledged it even like the difference between the team that played in the playoffs in the bubble and lost to the Islanders and this past season's team was those, you know, I, I don't like to keep using like hockey cliches, but they're like the sandpaper guys, not yeah, guys the that looking, like this guy's going to go out and score 25 goals. And that, you know, it's not those kind of players. It's guys that fill out a fourth line and do the work that nobody else wants to do. Yeah, and you know that's what they missed last year. Yeah, and I think I think you don't. While you you love those guys and you need those guys, I still also think it's one of those things where, like, currently they're the guys who, if anywhere you're gonna um, compromise. Sorry, there's mosquito in my house. If you're gonna compromise with years on contracts for the sake of your cap, that's where you choose to compromise. And I think Chuck. To his credit, Chuck was really put on the hot seat this offseason. And I think if you're a Flyers fan right now and, you know, Chuck comes up to you and says, what more would you like me to do? There's not a whole lot you could say. So, and and a Derek Broussard is even answering that like, well, we could still use a Tyler Pitlick type. And I don't think that Derek plays exactly like Tyler Pitlick, but I think the experience, the character, and just kind of the, the wherewithal, he knows how to play hockey. He's been in the league for, you know, ever and played, like you said, he's gotten to the final in the West and the East and everything in between. Um, 
that adds something that you need in that bottom six. So kudos to Chuck because it's really on the players and Elaine Vino now to figure it out. He has done everything this offseason. I thought Travis Sainheim said it perfectly the other day. He said Chuck's done his job and now it's up to us. He really has. Uh, the GM uh, was true to his word and uh, made changes and put the Flyers in a position to be better this season. And that's the, the end goal, really. And uh, and my last point, they're not really blocking prospects. Again, one-year deals, if they were more years, as Taryn mentioned, I would have a problem with it. But these prospects haven't had a normal year in a while. It's not the end of the world, in my mind, if Cam York, Morgan Frost, Igor Zamula, if these guys develop for a full season finally – um, below the Flyers, like it's 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 okay if they're in Lehigh, finally having a regular year of development. That's that's not a bad thing. Um, it should prepare them for the following season, where the Flyers will look different because these are one-year deals. So right, and Jordan, even I mean, think about this: the, the starting goaltender hasn't played a normal season yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the last normal season he came up in the middle of the season, and then you have the two COVID seasons. So I mean, he hasn't even played a normal season yet. So there's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. And when, like, when we were, I remember having a, a conversation with Joel the one day before the, before the whole COVID shutdown in March of 2020. And it was kind of like, you know, what would you like to do here? What would you like the rest of the season to look like for you, et cetera, et cetera. And he, part of what he said is he was like, I don't want to um, essentially like set my bar too low. But part of it is, is I've never played a hockey season this long and it's obviously not at that level. And some of those younger prospects, you do want them to adjust. I mean, a college hockey schedule is significantly shorter than an NHL schedule, nonetheless, an NHL schedule with a postseason. So some guys don't really need it, but some guys do need kind of learning how to take on that extra wear and tear and not taking your foot off the gas because generally their year is winding down at a certain time of year. And then all of a sudden, in the NHL, you're pushing into the most important part of the year when normally you would be able to take off and people might be like, well, why does that matter? Like they know what the schedule is, yada, yada. But you think about your life, like think about when you're a kid or growing up and you're used to school ending in June and that first real job that you have and you have to work through the summer and you're like, wow, adulthood really sucks. Like it's, it is different. It is an adjustment in your life. You've always had these time markers in your life where you get to give your body a break. You get to mentally take a break. And it's something that these guys have to adjust to. And they'll tell you firsthand if you ask them, like, yeah, normally this time of year, I'm like, done. I'm going, I'm going on spring break. I'm recovering. I'm doing this, that, and the next thing. And the NHL, you're, you're heading into the most important time of your schedule. Yeah. A, a, a fun and busy all season. Uh, that's going to lead to, I think, a fun and entertaining regular season for the Flyers. I think everyone's chomping at the bit for it. I know Chuck Fletcher probably is, given all the... Damn. All the maneuvering they've done, Taryn Hatcher's, I know Joe Fordyce's pre and post game live is going to sure be fun. Uh, so a great off season for the Flyers in terms of entertainment value, that's for sure. Um, we'll see if it produces results in the regular season, but it's been fun to talk about Taryn Hatcher and Joe Fordyce. Thank you so much as always. We're going to continue to talk much more about it as training camp is right around the corner. A special thank you to Tom Finer, our video and podcast guru, for helping us out here as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.